This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hi, everyone, and welcome to VaynerX Presents Marketing for the Now. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing extremely well. How are you? I'm good. It's our 17th episode, and I have to say, after a day like yesterday, I'm feeling pretty fine. That makes me happy. Yes, it is beautiful and sunshine, and I am extremely excited about our first show of the year. We've got an awesome lineup. Um, it's our first episode of 2021, and we are going to focus on one question, as you know. What does the modern media plan look like in 2021? So we're going to kick things off with Andrea Brimmer. Uh, Andrea is the Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer at Ally Financial, where she leads a team of 150 disruptive marketers. Since then, um, Ally's brand has doubled in value every year since she launched uh, the new Promise in 2016. Um, and so over those three years, they've been celebrating Ally's Promise, Do It Right. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Andrea. Appreciate being here. Hey, Gary. How are you? So many Andreas. Um, I know, right? I've never been around so many Andreas at once. <laughs> so, Andrea, first of all, how's your new year going? How are you feeling? What's cooking? I am feeling good, Gary. I feel, uh, you know, yesterday was a, just a good day for our country. I feel like a good, good amount of peace and, um, you know, rock and roll. The new year and ready to rock and roll. So let's get right into it because, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs. We have a lot of Fortune 500 companies. So we're going to try to break this down a little bit. But I think what's real and keep, I love the dog in the background. Don't worry about that. It's perfect. It's exactly how I want it. All right. What does the modern media plan look like? And, and actually, I'm going to take one second to help the viewers. The comms planning, the planning, like where are you going to put your money to make the thing that you want to happen? For entrepreneurs, you're kind of doing that on a wheel. For big co's, Andrea will go into that in a second. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, you hire a media agency, they plan, you know, but I think the landscape, Andrea, I think we can agree is changing so quickly. And kind of when you watch Mad Men years ago, <laughs> the TV department just gets stood up, right? It's TV, print, outdoor, radio, go to sleep. Right. Then there's this thing called internet, but then my life's work realizes that's like saying oxygen. There's a million things in there. When you hear the question that we're doing today, what is the modern media plan look like? What does, what does that come across to you as? And one last time before you answer, I see you all in the comments, Michael Lynn, Charlotte Nicole, Jeff Hotch, I see you on all the different platforms. Please hit Twitter hard with your questions and observations using hashtag marketing for the now, and we will try to incorporate you into the show. Andrea, the floor is yours. Thanks, Gary. You know, I mean, the way that we think about it is, um, I could really boil it into kind of three words that are guiding the way that I think about it and the way our, our team's thinking about it at LA. Dynamic, disruptive, and culturally astute. And when I think about dynamic, it's the point that it is ever-changing. Like, you take last year as an example, nobody would have ever expected the unavailability of original production, the migration of audiences to new platforms, the importance of things like gamification versus, um, you know, linear TV. Um, and, and a marketer that's not prepared for that, you know, that constantly shifting atmosphere and just sets it and forgets it. Um, is really missing where audiences are going. So that idea of dynamic is, is really critically important. Um, 
Do you feel like you have that in place? Like when you think, I mean, I think this is, you know, and you know this, this is a community, especially today's question, gonna help a lot of the community that you sit in, these incredibly important CMOs and operators. You know, I have a lot of compassion, right? I know this ecosystem now after, you know, a decade and a half. The media planning capabilities structure, and, and to be frank, the objectives of the, you know, media agencies for their own margin, and I have empathy for their businesses, I'm in that business, though we come from a different angle, really challenge flexibility. A lot, of network, a lot of those companies have major deals with platforms and networks that they have to, you know, I made a promise to NBC, I'm gonna make sure that Ally runs a little bit more commercial and I'm gonna justify, I mean, that's real talk now and I wanna get to the real crux. Do you feel incredible about the flexibility or is that a 500 pound gorilla that's hard to move just so people can get a read of how challenging this actually, it sounds, e- sounds easy for all the small business and entrepreneurs that are listening, that's all they know. It's actually stunningly hard for big companies like yours. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the advantage is that we've always had this scrappy challenger mentality and we've always um, we've always projected that ethos, and we've tried to reflect it in terms of the way that we've planned media. I mean, look, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that there's always going to be this compendium of planning that will have a level of consistency, right? You, you're going to buy your you're going to buy your broadcast with a level of consistency. You're going to go into the upfronts, and that's what you're going to have, and and you're going to plan against certain kinds of media, but you have to remain flexible and in a perpetual state of motion because you not only can you not predict what's going to happen throughout the year, um, you also can't predict where audiences are going to go. And I, I just take last year as a great example. You know, we we always keep a pot of money for optimization. Mm. People like my CFO crazy sometimes where she's like, why do you have all this fluidity in your plan? I need more predictability. Um, but we have to have it because you have to go where your consumers are going. One of the big places we moved last year was into gaming. Mm. People at home. And we created an island on Animal Crossing. We did a ton around gamification. That wasn't anything that we could have seen at the beginning of the year. And if we didn't have the ability to push for that flexibility, and I think to your point, Gary, one of the things that we changed in terms of our the way that we measure our agency partners, especially Mediacom is our media agency, is around creativity and media. Mm. And that becomes part of... Uh, the you know the KPIs that drive them, and I think that's where you get that tension between that long-term plan and I've got to be creative because I've got more to gain if I bring that creativity. These are these are shotgun interviews, so we have three minutes. Andrea, when I say to you, what channel has your attention? Either has already been incorporated into your media plan, or is brewing in your mind as a leader, and will then think about okay, let's let's really try to test this year so it's a bigger part of our 2022. Is there any platforms, and this could be in any shit, it doesn't have to be the internet, like is there anything brewing in that brilliant mind that has you, (laughs) that has you like, huh, look what's going on over at Clubhouse, or hey, I think print is back, baby. Like, Like, is there anything brewing in your mind? You know, what's the most interesting medium to me right now, honestly, I mean, there's all the obvious ones, but outdoor. Um, we have done some really interesting things in outdoor and there's some incredible um, creativity that's happening there. And um, I think it gives you an opportunity to have a big stage. Are the, pr- are the prices things. way down since people are in, ho- like when I hear outdoor, I mean, the amount of travel people 
like the macro travel is collapsed. And so billboard, you know, I think of like how many people are not on the road that saw billboards that are now just not on the road. Has the pricing become super attractive in that? No, I don't even think about outdoor and just that. Like I think about digital outdoor. I think about over the holidays, we projected the 20 best moments of the year on buildings around the country. I mean, point point still taken though. You know, I, I assume common sense driving people are just in their homes. We have a global pandemic has, are the prices adjusting or not? Or, or adjusting a little bit, but you'd be, you'd be surprised at the interaction. People just want to get out of their house, even if they're just walking around. Um, so it's an interesting medium and we've done but, some- But real quick, cause this is, I'm fascinated by this. On a good, I mean, if everything went phenomenal, you, you have to expect on the greatest day ever, you're gonna get 50% of as many people that would have saw those things on the building, let's say in 2018. Yep. My, my curiosity, not even anything else is, you know, that thought, that thought, like you can't, you know, I agree people want to get out of their house, but like I live in Manhattan. There's a lot more people indoor and I look at everything, you know, like I'm just, I, I think that's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think about it in terms of, um, as we start to plan coming out of this pandemic and mm. creativity that's there and um, the new things that you can do with the medium that have never been available to you before and the ability to put the brand on a big stage. Um, you know, everybody's rushing to the same things right now. Gamification, digital, uh, you know, those social platforms, et cetera. Um, but as we get into the spring and we kind of get in, get out from under this pandemic, um, you know, people that are taking chances on those kinds of- You know, actually we ran, we, we ran out of time. This is such Already. a pleasure. Already. But it's great <laughs> to see you. Continued success. Thanks, Gary. See ya. Thanks, Andrea. Next, we have Molly Batten, Vice President of Global Brand Marketing for Delta Airlines. Molly leads global corporate brand strategy and management at Delta, where she and her team are responsible for portfolio marketing, agency management, cross-promotion planning, and media, among many other things. Welcome, Molly. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Hey, Gary, how are you? I'm well, Molly. How have you been? I'm doing all right, thanks. Good. Well, listen, I mean, there are very few industries that have been more affected than yours during this global pandemic. So A, how's the company doing? How are you doing? It must be super challenging. And I, I obviously, because we have some mutual friends, I recall kind of pinging you when you first got the gig. And so you must have only been in place for a little over a year or somewhere in that range before this all hit. So before we even get into, and I'm actually, this this is the one I'm probably most excited about because I'd be dying to know how you're thinking about media planning with, I mean, wow, what a challenging thing. You know, I'm pretty good at intuition and guessing, but this one's out of my realm even, like when does it come back? Um, why don't you start with that? What's the opening rant to that energy? Yeah, no, Gary, it's been a fascinating year. Yeah, I think it was last year at CES we were trying to connect because um, I know um, you had done a lot of work with Turner where I was mm-hmm. before and mm-hmm. a lot of help um, as we were launching brands and shows. So um, it is great to see you again, Thank but you. Um, it has been a, a wild ride. So I've been yeah, at Delta for a little over a year. So I've seen our best day ever last year, profit sharing day, February 14th, and to kind of the worst day ever. So from the top to the bottom, and we just saw the 
the bottom fallout as many across the industry and the travel industry did um, in March and then just continued decline. And I will say it's been um, a fascinating learning process as we have had to rework and reinvent and re and innovate the airline from the inside out. Everything that we do um, by putting kind of our people and our customers front and center from how we sanitize and clean every flight before every flight, how we you know are still blocking the middle seat to make sure that our customers feel safe and comfortable when they travel um, to partnerships with the Mayo Clinic and Lysol. Um, I know more about air filtration now than I ever would have thought I would have, um, you know, and just the airflow on the airplane. So it's been, you know, we've moved from really creating demand and talking about travel inspiration um, to really having to educate mm. um, our, our customers now. Travel is very different than it was last year. Um, and we know that as people are coming back, whether it's your first time or you've been back many times, there's more and different information that you need now. And that is really affecting how we think about media planning mm. um, into next year because and, the, and, more, and even I'm sorry to interrupt and even more I would argue not importantly but equally as importantly the back to the creative messaging right Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, you know, really headline is we've moved from broad based kind of brand messaging to really audience first planning mm -hmm. and messaging because mm -hmm. we have such a segmented and you, have, you have, and you have plenty of awareness. I mean, there's not a person on this right now that does not know what Delta is. Right. So it's it's really about, you know, we, we elevate and we talk what our brand is about or we lead with our values. Our mission is no one better connects the world. But right now we have, as you look across the spectrum of the audiences, we've got, you know, folks who are not really ready to travel yet. So we have to have messaging that can connect with them of when you're ready, we're here for you and that travel inspiration to those that are hesitant and thinking about it. So how do we connect with them with targeted messages to let them know all the different things that we're doing to keep you safe when you travel um, and educate them on what travel's like to the people who are now traveling and how do we make sure that they're feeling good and connected and we keep pulling them back in. So it's really a, a very different messaging strategy that has led to a very different media strategy um, and focusing on those audiences and then identifying the right channels to hit them. Um, and and quick, a lot I of- I apologize real quick. Jason mm -hmm. Rorero says, stop interrupting Gary, Jesus. I just wanna <laughs> remind everybody, these are 10 minute meetings. I'm desperately trying to get as much information out to everybody. These are my homies and friends. And so I apologize, I get it, but I just wanna, it, it, and jump into Jason's comment and get a little more out of Molly. For example, Mom, Good. any new platforms where the media is going because of this initiative? Like, is this, do you have monies going into whether it's a TikTok or a LinkedIn or pre roll YouTube or OTT, a Hulu? Like, any new, any interesting takes there? You know, I don't know so much new, but what I, what we've seen is the um, the increase in the impact of our social channels um, this past year has been critical. It's been a way for us to engage with our customers, um, leverage influencers, um, and really get our story across. Um, and my social team has just completely stepped up and is really using it to inspire our travelers. So we see stories about the, you know, um, the, 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 the flight attendant who took the time to take care of the passenger, these inspirational, heartwarming stories about our people, stories about um, travel inspiration, because there's so much pent up demand. And we think that this revenge spending is going to come back in full force, hopefully next summer as this vaccine um, continues to be distributed. So hold on, Molly, real quick. 
next, did you just say? This coming summer. summer. Okay, so you, <laughs> I just wanted to, no, because you know, it's funny, I think you're making an interesting point. I think all of us somewhere in the summer of last year said, oh man, like the ones that were really being honest were like, oh, we're gonna come back next summer. This is wow, oh my God, I thought it was gonna be two weeks. I would argue that, and I, I have empathy and compassion for this, there's some realization of like, wait a minute, we're not gonna be as back to normal like 2019, even this summer. And that actually gets me to the next point. Do you have any um, insights? Do you believe that in 24 months, well, let's say we're vaccinated out, we're kind of over the hump. Is it your anticipation that a high percentage of the people on the plane are gonna wear masks even when we're back to normal? Do we get Chinafication out? Like, do you believe that the US from your perspective, like? I have been really thinking about this. I'm like, wow, will I ever take a flight again in my life where there's nobody wearing a mask? And my answer to myself was no. And not only no, I'm like, man, I bet you it's 25% of the the flight is gonna be there. Thoughts on that? Yeah, no, Gary, I mean, it's hard to say, right? I think we're gonna be seeing mask um, compliance for a while, even through the vaccine. We know it's important beyond, um, even as we continue to vaccinate the country. Um, you know, We know from guidance from Mayo Clinic and our partners that masks are an essential piece of kind of stopping the spread. So I think they're gonna be here for a while in terms of how long they're gonna be with us. I can't really speculate, but I agree with you. I do think there's gonna be percentages of people that just feel more comfortable when they travel. And it's not even, even past the pandemic, It's it's, the person sneezing across the way from you and that mask gives you some protection. So yeah, as to what level, I don't know, but I, I think there will be something that will carry through. New platforms. I, I think I'm excited to ask people things, things that are starting to brew in your head of like emerging media platforms, because I think everybody who's watching, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and Fortune 50s, let alone Fortune 500s, can get value out of this question. Any new platforms or ones that, they don't have to be new, but they've crossed over for you. Let's say OTT, you're like, oh wow, I'm gonna take some of my TV money. You're, you're Turner, former <laughs> executive, like you understand that that landscape. Oh, I see some real value in the targeting of OTT or I'm genuinely excited about the passive consumption of voice. So this Spotify ad product, anything in your mind as a lead strategist to where the media planning goes, anything, anything starting to brew? Yeah, you know, we're looking at a lot of different things, you know, again, really understanding where our audiences are and how we can deliver against it. You know, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on in the podcast space um, as people have more time and are, are staying at home and kind of consuming um, that type of content. I do agree. I think streaming, we have seen huge shifts um, in the ways people are consuming media as people are home longer, their viewing habits are changing. So how do we capture that attentive audience? Uh, you know, I think... I think, um, I think, as Andrew was saying, I do think out of home is interesting. Um, you can do a lot more with it um, than we used to be able to. And we look at it not only on the paid assets, but how are we using our own assets um, and our earned placements in a different way so that we're really using them to educate along the entire travel journey? Because we've got, you know, we're really lucky. Once we get you in the plane, we have a great in-flight video, um, you know, connect it cabin is kind of our vision. And so how can we make that inside the cabin feeling um, feel like your living room? And there's opportunity there to kind of talk to our loyal um, and current customers and, uh, and reinforce our messaging and our branding and our values. So um, we're kind of thinking about it through the entire travel journey. Um, and I think there's a lot of interesting things out there and then new ways to connect, right? So moving beyond your traditional just um, 
uh, straight spot? And how do we create more interactive ways um, for our for our customers to kind of interact with us? And we've been doing a lot in social um, around gaming and questions and quizzes, as well as kind of asking the experts. So we open up so that people could ask the questions that are on their mind and we get the right experts um, to answer them. So playing around with Instagram stories. And so it just, there's a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity for creativity, I think, within media for next year. And um, I know there's need to continue to be agile and be able to move as budgets change and we're figuring out what this world looks like and, and travelers kind of expand or collapse, hopefully more expand. Um, but having that that creativity, I think, is going to be key to helping us continue to break through. And so, um, you know, we're, we're really awesome. looking at different ways that it's a two-way conversation. I love that, Mal. We're out of time. Have a great year. Good luck. I know it's a challenging one, but we're excited to see what you come up with. Great, Gary. Thanks so much. Hope to see you on a flight soon. You will. <laughs> Next, we welcome Rupin Desai, Global CMO at Dole, a company that believes everyone should have equal access to nutrition and health delivered in a positive and sustainable way. And he joins us from Singapore, I might add. Mm. He also co-founded TC28 to help organizations thrive in the conscience economy and is a board member at Female Founders dedicated to gender equality in entrepreneurship and leadership. Welcome, Rupin. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me, Gary. Rupin, is it past midnight? It is. I'm very is. impressed with you, sir. No, but a lot of my life is spent with teams in L.A., so this allows me the morning as they've been waking up. So I've, I've, I've been in calls from 6 a.m. Uh, L.A. time, unfortunately, for the teams in L.A. Right, right. Yeah. Listen, it's a global world and even yeah. more. Now, actually, Rupin, before we get into the core question, I assume that the Zoomification of our society through COVID has been a real blessing for you given the separation as people become more comfortable to this, you know, I'll give you an example. If you emailed me 24 months ago and said, Gary, I want to work with VaynerMedia, my brain goes to, this is a real opportunity. I need to get my ass to Singapore. That is a four-day mission, three-day mission, even the extreme way I travel. The fact that the business etiquette now allows for me and you to have that meeting like this for two hours is really quite powerful, no? It is, it is. I mean, my, my girls haven't seen as much of me as they have in the last nine months. Okay, right. I remember my last flight, uh, being early March. Yes, same. Obviously, I, I, on a given day, they love it. On a given day, I'm sure uh, <laughs> members of the family don't as much. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm sure it's both ways. I think it's it's been a learning process for a lot of us as well because we all come from the school of thought that physical presence, physical meetings absolutely matter and we got to make the trudge and we got to do the flight. And while all of that is true, I think the last nine or 10 months have shown us it's not probably as true as we would have all liked to believe. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Let's get to the core question. Uh, you know, what is your take on the modern 2021 you know, media plan? What does it look like? You know, how, how do companies need to adjust and where should they be shifting their monies or doubling down? Which platforms, which genres speak to you or the consumers you're trying to reach? I think we need to start from the fact that the currencies that we're chasing with our consumers have changed considerably over the years. I mean, we're talking about earning attention and earning trust with our consumers. And we sometimes forget that the key part of that is the earning part. 
So most platforms have got better at interrupting. I mean, we can interrupt better, we can interrupt faster, we can interrupt personalized, we can interrupt uh, whichever uh, area you are into. And that's got better and better. And while I don't uh, underestimate the importance of, un uh, of interrupting, there's a huge part of earning the attention, earning the trust. I mean, I the way I, 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 I try and define it is like, is dropping into a dinner that you're having on a Friday night, uninvited, okay? And the moment I start talking about how I clean whiter than the whitest, how my uh, molecule's bigger than your molecule, on a Friday night in your house, it's gonna be a very short conversation. So unless I'm purposeful, unless I'm interesting, unless I have something to offer of value, unless I, I have a joke to crack, unless I make you laugh. And, and it's, it's, uh, there's no way I'm getting invited again or you're ordering a second bottle of wine. That's right. So, so I let's, think let's talk about that. Do you then believe that the creative is a more important variable than the media plan? It's a tango, isn't it? Yep. It's a tango. It's I don't think. Yeah. yeah it, it is a dance, and it's a dance that actually takes a cue from the other and evolves along the process. Ruben, I, actually, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you believe that the biggest hole in marketing today is that the creative industry has struggled to make contextual creative to all these distribution channels? I think we have got so excited. By the, by the potential of data, by the potential of personalization, by the potential that we have forgotten that the art is still in the conversation, the art is still in the earning attention, the art. So while all of those vehicles are extremely important and the, and the modern media plan is, it's a, it's, it's a cacophony that needs to be orchestrated into some form of semblance of music. I think the starting point will have to be how do I stop interrupting? And if I can't, how do I at least make it worthwhile for you as I interrupt your life? And we do this. You see, the, the weird part, Gary, about this is we're all in meetings and we're having this conversation. It's wonderful. And we step out to check our own Facebook and we're behaving exactly the opposite. I, can, I mean, I, you, know, you know I'm gonna go through this screen right now and kiss your beautiful head. You understand that, Rupin. Oh, this is, this is us. no, but listen, this is my, you know, this is my existence. This is why VaynerMedia exists. I mean, I just don't understand how people spend all their money on things that they know, know, know is not true. Or do not hold the creative contextual to the platform. They, they just know that consumers don't respond to it, but they, there is so much incredible comfort in doing things in the past or to conform to a reporting mechanism internally, you got it, the, the reporting that justifies the behavior that advances one's career. And I'm, I'm empathetic to that. You know, you're trying to pay a mortgage, you're, you're taking care of your family. So if the internal MMM is based on t GRPs or impression, like I understand, but it is a very intriguing moment in marketing because of that. Yeah, we're, 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 we're agreeing. We're agreeing. And I think the other big challenge for marketing, and I'm going to completely sidetrack from the, 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 the question, do your thing. Do your thing. Is, is the impact brands can have on people, communities, societies beyond 
just the profit bit. Okay, and, and, and the three Ps have always had a fight with each other, particularly over the last few decades, people, prosperity and the planet. I mean, one usually comes at the cost of the other. But I think if nothing else, COVID needs to teach us uh, that one thing that the three need to live, they're so interdependent, they, they can't come at the cost of each other. We have to find business models in marketing, in business, in how we communicate, but at a larger society where, where planet and communities, planet and people are interdependent with prosperity and thrive together. I think that's exactly right. I, I, I think that people make up excuses in business. There used to be a time when we used child labor and the excuses were, well, how are we gonna be able to get this done if we take all the children out of the workforce? We figured it out. This notion that we can't do good both sides of the equation is a silly, lazy answer, my friend. And look, I look into the eyes of, I have two young girls, uh, seven and four, and I know that everything I am potentially doing is going to leave behind a worse Correct. planet and a worse sort of world to Correct. So if there's nothing else I do in life as a dad, I need to use whatever I do at work, obviously, to make sure their education gets paid of off if they do want to <laughs> learn some stuff. Uh, but, but the amount of influence we have as brands and all the people on this, on, 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 on this the amount of influence we have has to, has to make a difference beyond next quarter's Romy, which is still stuck somewhere in the 1960s of calculus. 100%, 100%. My friend, this was quite enjoyable. We, I'm, I'll be in Singapore soon and we're gonna have to have dinner because you excited me here today. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea, for having us. Thank you, Ruben. Next up, we welcome Andrea Zaumensky, CMO of KFC US. Andrea leads marketing, advertising, media, and consumer insights, as well as the brand's digital initiatives, driving sales overnight and brand over time. Prior to joining KFC, Andrea served many marketing roles at P&G. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, Gary. How are you? I'm well, Andrea. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's so good to see you. Happy New Year. Same to you. Um, let's get right into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got such a progressive brand. Um, you know, some of the things you've been, the, the gaming console, console thing you did, like there's some really cool stuff you're doing. As you walk in, you're welcome, you deserve it. What, as you walk into 2021, given all the conditions, trying to figure out the timing of COVID, delivery, uh, all the dynamics you're thinking as a QSR. Um, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm mentioning a lot of acronyms here. Vayner X World, please get into the comments in all these communities and break down what MMM and QSR, <laughs> quick service restaurant, by the way, on that one, yeah. or all the other things that I'm saying here. There's a lot of chatter in the community. So let's get some community management going and value to the community or anybody who's watching, look out for that and answer. Andrea, what, uh, what do you think about from a media plan? Who's getting more of your money this year compared to last year? Is that TikTok? Is that Facebook? Is that television? Is that print? Uh, what's brewing? Like, you know, how are you thinking about creative into that? What's the 411? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few things. The first thing is like, okay, just like we've had to learn to be flexible, just like everybody else, right? Yes. I mean, we had to change everything in our brand in four days because customers needed us to like cook them buckets of comfort food, right? Um, but from a media perspective, what we're really digging in on and what I think the real magic of this kind of modern media plan 
is really how we play across um, across those channels, right? People are overwhelmed. They're flocking to places that don't have advertising, right? Or limited advertising. And we've got a- AKA, AKA the incredible growth of Netflix that doesn't have commercials, exactly. right? right. Exactly. Right, because I'm sure KFC has an extremely strong TV execution, but if every day somebody's not watching Bravo or ESPN, what do you like? I mean, you know where I sit on this. We know each other a little bit. I mean, I think that's hurting big brands tremendously. I think they're throwing Absolutely good money into a canon that nobody's listening to. Yeah. And we got, and, and we have to think about the attention that we do get. We have to treat it as really precious, right? I mean, and so. We're trying to make sure that everything we put out there is number one, authentic and insightful, right? Like, which is more important to customers than ever, right? That like, I know who you are, you're consistent with that and you really get me and you really understand me. And then with that is be making sure that we're doing things that are useful, that we're creating content and experiences that people actually wanna be part of um, and that is actually useful um, in their lives. And then native across, a native across platforms. I know Gary, you and I have talked about this, like no more matching luggage, right? That has to be a thing of the past, right? Um, and so we're trying to like use each platform for what it's best at. Like we don't wanna just go out and shout at every moment, buy KFC, buy a KFC, buy a KFC. Um, there's some places that are really good for that, like our performance media that we're doing, but there are other places where we need to, to be useful and authentic in other ways. Um, we've got to, you know, think about how each of those elements built up, right? Each channel, each element is building up into the way KFC as a brand shows up in total in people's lives. Like all those touch points should not do the same thing. They have to build up to tell a holistic story. And then I know you guys just talked about this, but the power of creativity is never been more important. We got to think about how the messaging fits across each of those platforms. And the truth is data has never been more important either, but an algorithm can't do this for us. Yeah, I mean, it's the data the data, does it. the data sets you up to say something. So good, you're informed, but if you still say something that's not interesting, you're not interested. Right. Yeah, something that's not interesting, something that's not authentic, something that's not useful, right? Like an example where we did this recently, you were talking about some of the things we've done, and this came together really powerfully for us, was this Lifetime movie we did in December, um, which was a 15-minute mini movie on Lifetime. We co-created it with Lifetime um, called Recipe for Seduction. Mario Lopez was Colonel Sanders with a, you know, he's an up-and-coming up chef with a secret recipe and a dream. Super authentic to our brand, also super authentic to Lifetime. Like if you had a chance to watch it, like we played up the Colonel and his secret recipe, but in a story that had every element, twist and turn you'd have from a Lifetime movie. But the thing that, that the reason this blew up and people just got so excited about it, we got billions of impressions, was that it was really useful. Like back, you know, even now, but at the end of the year, like people just needed like good old fashioned escapism. Um, yeah to like be able to get away. And we were able to provide that as a brand. Now, it's not that we weren't still trying to find a way to sell fried chicken. We had an Uber Eats promotion that was dinner and a movie that once you got down the funnel and you got onto some of those platforms that are closer where someone's maybe closer to wanting to buy that fried chicken, then we are then we are telling them like, hey, you can go get this Uber Eats promotion and get it dinner delivered and watch the movie. To, to not interrupt, but Philip Smoke no, says, we need practical talk, not overviews of what big brands are doing. So let's let's play with this right, entrepreneur's right. point of view. 
from a tactical standpoint, you know, there's a lot of people watching right now that might have one unit instead of the many that you have. When people think about actually getting people to your point to buy delivery, you know, when you think about that lower funnel, yep. right? Because yep. they're not because Philip can't buy a Super Bowl spot like you can, right? But what can people? Where are you seeing good performance to get people's intent to buy on one of these platforms? Because on an Uber Eats, whether you're KFC or your Luigi's single, you know meatball shop in Columbus, Ohio, there's a democratization there. What are you seeing in the lower yep. funnel attention brand game? Because I'm seeing a lot more brand work in the lower funnel, not just two for one and things of that nature. Anything stand out for you when I go that narrow? No, I mean, I think that is where the data really comes in, right? And that is where you the algorithms can work really hard for you, right? You've got to have the right offer and the right messaging and you need all kinds of A-B testing to figure out what's going to be more powerful. But that's where you'd really understand what is my audience that I'm going after and you have to data guide that audience. And then what we're finding is those channels also depend greatly on the audience. We might go one place to sell buckets of chicken to families because at 4.30 at night, I've realized I have no idea what the heck I'm going to feed my family for dinner tonight. So I'm going to serve them up a bucket promotion and that's that audience. And that might do really well at 4.30 on a news channel, right? Um, but but then I also have my lunch crew, right? Of like people that are like, um, you know, workers that need to go and grab some lunch and they really just need a big abundant eat um, for lunch. And that might be better served up on Facebook. Um, because they're checking their news feed before they go on their lunch and figure, you know, when they get to their lunch break and they are trying to decide where to go. So it really is, I think, audience specific and data driven. The chicken sandwich wars. I mean, this has been a American phenomenon. Yeah. You know, any 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 cool thinking around that or are there any media channels that have over-indexed uh, in that game? And well, we are... Well, Gary, we are. We just announced uh, this month. We just announced our um, entry, call it. Yes, I'm aware. Um, into into the into those chicken sandwich wars, and so we're building those plans um, as we as we speak. Understood. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but it is. I will tell you, like chicken sandwiches have never been more popular than they ever. <laughs> than ever. I mean, it, it truly feels like we're in that moment of American consumer transition to the chicken sandwich becoming the staple more so than the burger. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. It is, we're just seeing a big draw to comfort food. Like people, you know, if you just think about what, what people are experiencing in their, in their lives, like even before COVID, by the way, but then that just put it on steroids and everything else that has happened. Like there is something that happens to your brain. Um, like I think Ida Gardner said in her most recent book, like you can feel um, you can feel sad or depressed before you eat comfort food. You can feel sad or depressed after you eat comfort food. But when you're eating comfort food or that delicious fried chicken sandwich that we have like handcrafted, it's almost impossible in your brain to feel sad. Yep. So I think chicken sa the chicken sandwich wars are really happening because of that a true consumer need um, and want for um, for comfort food. So even as we think about being useful, there is a use even for even for that that comfort food. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great year. It's great to see you. Thanks, Gary. Take care. Have fun. Next up, Mandy Rossi, Vice President, Head of Marketing for the Kroger Company. Mandy leads marketing across Kroger's $120 billion business <laughs> that spans 22 retail banners, 2,800 physical stores, and a seamless e-com 
a platform. Her team includes brand strategy, planning, performance marketing, media, and Kroger's internal creative agency. Prior to joining Kroger, Mandy spent 14 years at P&G. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Mandy. Hi. I like your painting. Ah, thank you. Um, Happy New Year, and let's just get right into the core, which is how is how is one of the largest leading supermarket retailers in the country thinking about marketing, you know, from a media planning standpoint? Like for your from your standpoint, when I say what does the modern media plan look like in 2021, the real question there is, is you got the lower funnel, you got the mid funnel, you got the upper funnel, aka, you know, social media, OTT, you've got television, you you know as a supermarket direct mail and coupon, there's a lot going on in your world. 120 billion sounds like a big, 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 big girl number. So is there anything because of the COVID situation and or the modern consumer shifts, is there anything getting a bigger piece of the pie or anything, any interesting insight uh, that you can share for the people that are thinking about this? Yeah, lots has changed. I think COVID obviously in the grocery retail business and all things food, as Andrea talked about too, is a big shift, right? Everybody's eating at home far more than they did before. Um, people aren't out driving around the way you think about whether you want to go to a store or not. And the implications on e-commerce have just been massive this year, um, really accelerating the innovation in some positive ways um, as well. Um, you know, the challenge we have is exactly what you laid out. We have all the things, right? Uh, we can send coupons personalized for you directly to your house, or you can access them in our app all the way to like the typical top of funnel stuff. Um, and we have a ton of data, uh, and in many ways that's very useful. Um, but the challenge is having it all be connected and integrated um, as we think about the data that we have. So in an average month, we have about 11 million people who are coming through our doors. Uh, and then if you think about that on an annual basis, it's a big number, so we have a lot of data. Uh, and it can be easy to get in the details of that and try to measure everything, and we do measure a lot of things to help it drive our choices. Um, but some of it is like back to basics right now when everything feels a little bit frenetic, is really stepping back to who are the key customers that we need to be relevant to and what do they actually need and why are we uniquely suited to help them? Uh, and I think really coming back to those brass tacks of the needs people have, which in the food space actually haven't changed that much. They, they just get amplified. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume, sorry to interrupt, I would assume a lot more people are cooking at home, which means they're gonna choose you as the infrastructure for that versus going to a restaurant. That, that must have some interesting shifts. And I think the other thing that, if people aren't very educated about this marketplace, the margins that you play with are so small, food yeah. goes bad. Like it's a, the supermarket industry, the reason they become, the companies have become so big is you need scale to make, really make it work because it's a very challenging business. You got it. And then like imagine now being the marketer or managing the media budget in a very margin tight environment, each dollar needs to work really hard. Um, and that's where I think we just have to be very focused on who are the customers that we need to win with? What do they need right now? And how is this context impacting all of those food jobs that they have? And then really build a plan um, looking across that whole content ecosystem to think about when do those moments happen and how are they different for you, for me, at eight o'clock today, at four o'clock today, at midnight, to really have a detailed plan. But in some ways, 
the plan is so big, you can't control it, right? So I don't see everything that goes out. It would be literally impossible. Of course, you have people, yeah, that's why you have to build a great team. Totally, and be crystal, crystal clear on the audiences, the needs we're trying to meet, and what our business objectives are, and sort of the intersection of those things, because then you can kind of set up the machine to go off and deliver those things. But if we're not clear at the start, then you have total chaos because we have so much data, you can optimize a channel all day long if you like to, um, but it won't necessarily get us where we need to go in the total picture if it's not in service of a common objective. Speaking of target audiences, Phil Smoke again says, Gary, bring on a marketer to help the little guys grow and showcase their tactics. Big brands have big budgets and most of your viewers are working on the come up. Philip, I would say, back to the way I think everybody should be thinking, grocers and you brother, is as you are aware, I put out 50 to 70 pieces of content a day and 90, I would argue 79 to 90% of that actually is for SMBs and entrepreneurs. More than half the viewers of this right now are corporate Fortune 5000 individuals or marketers. The comments are normally where more of the entrepreneurs are, but the consumption of this. So Philip, it's, it's funny, the question is so right, right? I could have so much empathy. Marketing for the now is absolutely a Fortune 500 ecosystem. I do think when you think about the dynamics that come from these big brands, there are takeaways to your point, but on the micro stuff, that's what I'm doing on a daily day basis. So for others thinking like Philip, I just wanted to address that. Back to you, Mandy. Any any new platforms part of your media mix this year? We have shifted. I don't know if there's anything that is totally new. Gaming probably would be the one um, that we want to get into this year that we've not been in. Um, but it's a big shift of where we've been, right? Grocery retail um, has not always been the most innovative from a media point of view. And we do need to reach a lot of people. Um, but I think we've been over-invested for too long in some very traditional places where, frankly, people just aren't engaging to all the things um, the people before me said and the points you made. Um, so really thinking about the places, frankly, where I can use the data more. I know the ROI is significantly higher as long as we get the content right to kind of fit that context. Um, and, and that's really let's, right. let's talk about that, that ecosystem. You know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Google, YouTube, any anything kind of that you're excited to dig deeper into, or actually even a more interesting question, anything that you were able to take advantage of maybe some of the found time in COVID life that yeah. allowed you to become a little bit more of a practitioner or detail oriented, back to your point, your way up here, one of the things that was a really interesting observation for me is like, ooh, my combos are getting better because I'm in the dirt. Mandy, back to Philip's point mm -hmm. earlier, because of my brand and what I do, I'm so in the trenches that there's a, there's a level of practitionership that I bring in the agency Fortune 500 ecosystem that's quite different than the industry I'm in. I was excited to see a lot of marketers take advantage of COVID to get more in the trenches, look under the hood because they found back time of travel and things of that nature. Where, did you have that luxury or was there too much going on or did you have anything like that that kind of said, oh, wait a minute, I didn't realize how good this was working or this yeah. is interesting, did anything stand out when I go that narrow? Uh, branded social for sure. Um, and we had a gift in a way, there was a lot of immediate stuff we had to get out, but there was a lot of stuff that also got turned off. When you think about the weekly promotional stuff that we get a lot of word out on got turned off in April and May. Um, and we were able to reinvest into some places we'd wanted to do more. And I will say branded social, uh, as we've gotten better at the content matching the platform, frankly, we've, I think, done better with our influencer strategy, which food is, by the way, a pretty fun space for. Ton. 
Um, it's but, idea. And especially when people are cooking at home and looking for ideas and all that, it's been a really fun playground uh, to be in. And as we really tighten the lens to be more about food inspiration, having some fun with it, getting tighter, frankly, getting more diverse in our influencer mix has been a very big focus for us this year. Um, you know, and as we would all expect, that works. Um, people want to see people who look like them. Um, they want to see a diverse representation. Mm -hmm. And I'm very go, go figure. Go figure. Right. Is Twitch part of the media spend because gaming's in, or is it more about doing influencer work, or or is it more on the content side distributed in different platforms? Um, so we're working through it now. I can't share all of it. I will say Respect. it won't be Twitch uh, because they're owned by a competitor. Um, which creates some challenges for us, um, there, but also on some of the streaming platforms that creates um, just some places where we're not going to go right now. I think that's fair. With that said, it's great to see you. Continued success, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Next, Aaron North joins us as the CMO of Ultra and Mint Mobile, the fastest growing brand in wireless. Aaron has been a tour de force when it comes to bringing fresh thinking and disruptive behaviors to both brands, and he's received multiple Can Lions, Addies, and Effies over his career. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Hi, Gary. What's up, buddy? What's up is you've got me fired up with that basketball hoop back there, like I'm jonesing. Oh, man, because you know, world champs, baby. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm very happy. I own an obnoxious amount of LeBron James rookie cards, and I need him to capture a couple more rings. You don't happen to have the actual basketball near you, do you? Uh, I've got basketballs in my garage. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I, you, I think I, I, I want to see around the room because I hope you're not dodging it because I was going to make you take a shot. It was going to be a big <laughs> moment here. Anyway, Aaron, <laughs> Mint, such an interesting challenger brand doing some really creative stuff. Be, be, let's interstitial some of that creativity, but the core question, the media dollars, yeah. you know, any big shifts for you in 2021 off of the back of what we've seen lower mid or upper funnel, uh, any new things in digital? As, have you added TikTok? Have you taken away Facebook? Have you added print? Have you taken it away? Give us a lay of how y'all are thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, awesome, by the way, so far, all the speakers. Mm -hmm. And I can talk to the small brand because we're small. We're growing like crazy, but we are small. And I think, you know, what's important for us is that we're a direct-to-consumer brand. So you're going to think and see a lot of the performance marketing tactics but we we run different, man. We do a different game. So I believe there are a couple of media principles that aren't being applied. And as the CMO, it's my job to make sure we're thinking about the broader business, not just a single tactic of performance. And the thing I think a lot of people are missing, missing today is risk. I don't think people are putting enough risk into their media plans. Mm. So I take our media budget and I take 10% of that and I put it into the unproven, the unknown, the untested. And those don't always have to be digital tactics as well. They don't have to be performance tactics. I was reviewing what we did this last year and we did some crazy stuff that just brands weren't doing. Like when the pandemic hit on Friday the 13th, stay at home order comes in California, we immediately started pulling down our media spend. But we can, because we have a performance media plan where we can turn down television immediately. We can turn down digital immediately. So we did that and we didn't, take that money and keep it. We reapplied it back to our consumer base by giving them free data upgrades, right? So that's a choice we made. It was risky because it stopped the influx of new customers, but it took care of existing. And I think that was a risk because it was unproven, but it saved our asses, man. Like our churn dropped dramatically because we were taking such good care of our customers. 
And we've inserted new things. We're doing things. Farming, that- I'm sorry to interrupt, just for everybody here. Farming versus hunting, right? Absolutely. I think a lot, a lot of people are so obsessed with new when so much of business growth, and back to the small businesses on here, because small businesses are so obsessed with the new, one of the reasons I was able to build my dad's business in such a substantial way was I was obsessed with keeping everyone we got. Yeah, yeah, and look, so Christmas just passed, or the holiday season. We took media dollars out of our media budget and put it into holiday cards. We sent every single one of our subscriber a stamped envelope holiday card. There was no sales message, there was nothing in there, it just had some light Ryan Creative in there, and people love it. Talk, let's talk about what the Ryan Creative is, because a lot of people may not know. Reference what that's all about. So uh, in 2019, November of 2019, Ryan Reynolds bought Mint Mobile. So he is now one of our owners. He's the the tour de force on creative. He's an absolute just gem to work with, brilliant, creative, strategic guy. And I'm really excited. We uh, We may have some content dropping later today. No, okay. Oh, nice. I like that. Now I'm hyped. He is a <laughs> he is a juggernaut of culture. I agree with that. Um, what about biggest learning about media for you, Aaron? We're all learning. I'm I'm in this every day. I think I'm as good as it gets. I'm proud of my work, and I'm stunned how on a weekly basis I learn a new little thing, a new little thing. So we're all always learning. Anything stand out as a a good learning for you during COVID? Because again, like I mentioned earlier, for a lot of us leaders, it was a year where we could get a little bit deeper. So as you were going through that, anything stand out? Like, "Mm, I didn't realize LinkedIn did this or wow, podcasts do that. Or when I ask that question, does anything spark? Yeah, and but it's not one singular thing. We've had, you know, the very early days of the pandemic were very difficult. I think everybody's business was struggling. But as we started to emerge and, un, you know, the, the fear left, but uncertainty was still there, we realized it was an opportunity to stretch, push and grow. So we started pushing for that. And we launched a new product, uh, the unlimited plan. We didn't have that before. And it's crazy because I think this is going to sound so blatantly obvious, but when you have a good consumer offer and smart creative and you're not trying to be too clever, like just get it out there, everything hit at once. Like everything started working. So our digital budgets expanded, our TV budgets expanded. We're doing more like classic direct mail. That might be a big shocker for most people, but we're doing more direct mail than ever. And it's performing. It's, it's, People are stuck at home and they're checking the mailbox. So direct mail has been a real killer, which was- Do you find direct mail play differently geographically, uh, uh, financially? You know, I I did a lot of direct mail for my dad's business and trying to give some education to people thinking about direct mail. You know, for certain things, higher income levels, for certain things, much lower income levels, uh, you know, mile radius awareness overlays, like how detailed into that direct media do you see Yeah. So we've got a really interesting program where we don't use your traditional vendors like a Valpac or a Velasis or any of those. What we've done is we went with a company who centered themselves on creating direct to consumer partnerships. So the brands that we're next to in this mailer are the Caspers, Warby's, Mm. Dollar Shaves, Hims, and the piece is premium. Like, like it looks good. It's got good quality paper, oversized envelope. It doesn't feel like junk mail so that helps the open rates for them and then it's less it's less junky mail yes exactly <laughs> no it's but really classy. i mean it's <laughs> classy not ashy keep going no and that that's been a hell of a one for us and i think you know the other thing people need to realize is they have tools in their systems they just haven't discovered yet like we're a wireless provider 
No, we do, we realized as long as we're providing a service update to the customer, we have access to do something most brands don't. We can leave a voicemail on their inbox, right? So we can do that. That's something that is unique to us and we do it now. So we have big, big news coming. We've had big news in the past and we'll let Ryan record a voicemail or he wants to record a voicemail, I should say, letting the customers know, hey, your service just got better. And that's a media vehicle unique to us, but I challenge the people watching to really look at their business and understand if they're handing out paper receipts, can you do something special there? This personalization, customization is key, man. And you gotta be able to do that. And I think if you're really looking out for the customer, your message is going to be received. For example, we are actively right now, we launched Unlimited, but the reality is you don't need it. Most people just don't need it. So we're actively telling people, hey, you're probably overpaying us, right? It's better for you to trade down and save even more money. Now that's a sort of a terrible business decision if you're looking at short-term revenue. It's a fantastic proposition for long-term business health. And we use our own platforms for that to do the customer right. And I think if you're doing your media and your message that way, that's a customer solid, it's just gonna perform better. I appreciate that. Um, when you, when you think about media, because we're siloing it out here, how do you think about the contextual creative for those pipes? How, do you feel the conversation's advancing um, to a place where those two disciplines need to be far closer? Because we've gone through this great era of really siloed executions on the infrastructure and the marketing landscape and in individual companies. As, as the internet, grabs up more, you know, it's a very fascinating thing to see those disciplines come back together in the corporate world. It obviously stays together in the mid and SMB world. Thoughts on that? You mean creative and media together? Yes. Yeah. So we don't, we don't execute plans of just media. Like our marketing is baked into what we do. The creative is way upstream right? We're, we're laying out a general strategy for the year with product releases, service enhancements, and et cetera, but we're baking marketing into this. This idea of unlimited, right? Like where you don't need unlimited, we're going to trade you down, was an insight that was built at product creation. We knew we had this marketing built into it. So we put that into the plan. Ryan dropped a video about unlimited. What people didn't know was there was an Easter egg. So we went back you know, a couple months later and said, hey, you guys missed this. By the way, we're going to tell you, you can save money. And that message is all over our media. So we're not really even selling unlimited at the time. We're selling the idea that we have unlimited, but you don't need it. So come to us. Real quick, I apologize to interrupt because we have one minute. I want to give Drav Garg this question. He keeps texting it. It's a good question. Aaron, is there something you would consider of value in another telecom company that Mint is currently struggling to implement or for that matter is considering? a value of another telecom. I'd say no. Like we are quite <laughs> frankly, these guys are, they're bad. This is bad business. Like you don't hear people say, I love my wireless provider. It's like a, like an airline, man. Like we're trying to do the opposite of what those guys are doing. I look, I'm envious. They have massive customer bases and gigantic budgets, but we're not that brand. And we're going to keep doing the opposite of what they're doing. They're running these games. We're doing the opposite. We're going to be straight and consumer centric. Cheers, brother. Have a great 2021. Good to see you.
Dara Tresseter joins us next as SVP, Head of Global Marketing and Communications at Peloton, the world's largest interactive fitness platform. She oversees brand and strategic marketing, consumer insights and strategy, communications, and creative to build the Peloton brand, growth, and international expansion. A vet C-suite marketer, Dara was previously at Carbon, GE, Apple, and Goldman Sachs. Welcome, Dara. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Good to see you, Gary. Happy 2021. (laughs) Same to you. It's so good to see you. I mean, this will be a lot of fun. I mean, you're sitting on as hot of a brand as there is, which I'm sure has its own, you know, challenges, you know, high class problems in comparison to others. Um, A, just for four seconds before we go into the direct question, what an incredible time for this brand. You know, obviously nobody's excited about a global pandemic and there's so much pain, but we're just gonna put this into business terms. The product was so built for the moment. That must've been crazy. Yeah, you know, I think I give so much credit to our incredible founder, John Foley. He knew uh, a truth which more people have come to see, which is you can get an enjoyable, energetic, effective workout from the comfort of your home with a connected fitness product. Well, when he came up with that idea, it was novel, right? And you've seen how the category has grown and expanded thanks to his leadership and Peloton's leadership. So, you know, I think the pandemic has accelerated the the trend, but this is a permanent shift. This is a permanent shift that people are now enjoying you know, exercising, connecting um, with with friends and family from the comfort of their home using a connected fitness product. When you think about media planning this year, you know, it's obviously uh, an interesting time for this brand and an opportunistic time. Any, is there anything that's made the cut this year that wasn't part of 2020's planned, which was a reaction to the insights that you garnered from 2020? Yeah, I think the you know I would say there are sort of two big things. I think one is uh, the relationship between creative and media. I think more than ever before, that connection is so critical, right? It's so important that early up, when we're thinking about the marketing strategy and the plan, that creative and media are involved upfront. Um, and are actually working together to determine what makes the most sense. Because I think gone are the days where, you know, a creative might just come up with an idea, you know, in a silo and media does kind of the media planning and just the creative hands off over the assets. That's not the reality. You, you, you are aware, because I know your pedigree, that that is the far majority of the behavior of the Fortune 500 landscape. And, it, and, and, and I think that's what I'm saying is that that shouldn't be. So I think if you're if you're, if you're kind of if you're leading you know, a, a, a what you hope to be a modern marketing organization, you really can't operate that way, um, and and that's what you know. I'm really excited about the work that we've done together as a team at Peloton, and I say we right because it's really you know working together with my amazing teammates is come together and and updated our campaign process so that that connection and partnership between creative and media is happening so much, so much more seamlessly that is enabling us to, I think, really perform better and, and, and deliver work that pushes the brand and the business forward. So I think that's just something that's so critical and so important. And I know it's not kind of the traditional way our industry has run. You kind of have media folks and creative folks. And I think that integration is so critical and so important 
Not only, and, then, and I apologize, and not only that, as you know, it's also top down in boardrooms, subjective calls, push it down, matching luggage on the internet versus what happens when you integrate creative and media together in these lower and mid funnels, which branding is now being done and you're able to actually use it as a consumer insights driver to funnel up instead exactly. of matching. It's a, I mean, Dar, I don't think most people understand how upside down the whole thing is. It, I, I agree with you and I think that when, so much- when in your career did you first have the taste? I, I'm gonna, I mean, this one's probably quite progressive compared to knowing your Rolodex. Was it here where you were like, oh shit, this is much deeper than I realized or was it somewhere along the line? It was actually probably the first time I became a CMO when I had the ability, right, to like effect yeah. change um, that I realized, oh, it doesn't have to have, I don't need to do it the way it's always been done. This can be better. And and then trying it out and seeing the result inspired me. So now I've kind of carried that with me in all of my sort of, you know, um, all, all the other roles I've been in. But it was the first time when I had the opportunity to be in leadership where I realized I can make a change and guess what? This is so much better. Um, and so, and I think it's just, it's really important that we we we, we see that you know, as marketers and that we bring that to our organization. What do you tell your fellow Fortune 500 CMOs that, you know, that know that you're further down that path when they hit you up? Like, what's your advice to them knowing that the, the troubles they have with their holding company relationships or their board or their internal MMM or like, how do you, how do you consult them on bringing that to a reality? Honestly, I tell them the success stories. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think many times people, you know, are moved. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean, I'm a creative storyteller, but also data driven. People are moved by data, then they're moved by stories. So having being able to say, well, here's an example of what we did. Here's how it worked. Um, I think that that kind of inspires them to be able to go back to their teams. And I always say, why don't you try it? You don't have to start it with everything. Try it with a few projects, so you have some strong, you know, proof points that you can then use to sort of, especially for those that are maybe are working where they have such large teams, it would take a substantial, you know, reorganization, um, recalibration, um, changing culture, right, to drive. But I honestly believe that that is the future of marketing. Um, I think that is the way that we need to operate as an organization. How do you, one of the key things, you know, one of our key values at Peloton is empower teams of smart creatives. How do you do that if you don't have the, the and I, and I, when we say the creatives, we don't only mean people who work in creative, right? Even in media, you're, there's a lot of media innovation and media creativity. How can we empower our teams if we don't bring them together to be able to think Agreed. And what about and what about something we call post-creative strategists, right? Exactly. Who's doing the qualitative read-through on the work? Exactly. Because you know the the math shows one story, but the seventeen thousand comments across all that content in a month has incredible consumer insight. Exactly. Is, is that a big part of your world? Is the it's a huge part. It's a big part. So you know, I've got the consumer strategy and insights team as well. And so when we look at our current campaign process, you know, we have our media team, our creative team working with the consumer strategy and insights team, mm-hmm. working together as one, right? Whether it's with the brand marketer or the product marketer, kind of leading that effort in order to bring about the best work. And I think it's it's that you know connection. 
between all these teams working together, not just, you know, I ship something to you, you go do this, but being included upfront, I think even in the, in the ideation sessions, in the strategic sessions, I think allows each of these experts to be better at what they do. I understand. Audio for two, I got two minutes. I can speak to you for two hours. Two minutes on audio. Is it a part of your mix? How are you thinking about it? You know, you start to see the emergence of things like Clubhouse. You know, we, we've got an incredibly emerging, interesting thing with Spotify ads, podcasting. Thoughts on audio? I think audio is is important, right? I think the power of voice is important. And we actually, I think, experience that as a brand in a very strong way because, you know, our instructors are speaking and they're unscripted, right? And they're just, they're so, there's some of the most intelligent, talented, in, inspiring people you've ever met. And they're speaking from their experience, from their story. So audio, I think, plays an interesting role because it's it's living within our product, but even in our marketing, you know, um, it also sort of lives within that space as well. And that when I think about some of the, the offerings we have on our platform, like outdoor running, right? That's really audio. That's the instructor speaking to you. So I think the way we think about audio is as opposed to it just sitting outside as just this one thing, we think about how do we incorporate this into the different expressions of the Peloton brand? And how do we use that to continue to cultivate, um, you know, and build connection within our community, with our members? This was riveting. I appreciate you. I wish you continued success. I really mean it. Thank you so much, Gary. It was so great to be to be on here with you. Really like all and thanks for all you're doing for the industry. It's always great to kind of get your insights and 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 wisdom and just really excited to be here. You're very sweet. Thank you. Next, we welcome Steve Lesnard, Global VP and Product of Par Product and Marketing at North Face. Steve is an industry vet with more than 20 years of experience in driving growth leading global brand campaigns, and launching revolutionary products and partnerships across sports, technology, and lifestyle. Previously, Steve spent two decades at Nike. Welcome, Steve. Oh, Steve, you're on mute, brother. No worries. You would think that I would know by now. You know, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year, brother. You're on mute is a, is a required thing said at least four times a day. Oh, I, also, I, also wanna, uh, I also wanna apologize in advance. I'm distracted by the tchotchkes and collectibles. I kinda just wanna come to your house and garage sale the wall, but- I'm a collector, I collect. I, I like it, I like it. Steve, um, apparel, it's a fun, you know, so much going on in your world, yeah. again, probably one of the sneakier, you know, we, we hear a lot about the airline and hotel industry. We hear a lot about local restaurants. I think people are not talking as much around the clothing and apparel industry, which has clearly been affected by COVID. Um, talk to me about how you go into media planning, because that's the theme for today yeah. in this new year. Are there some different things you're doing as a reaction to the realities of business? Uh, you know, the lower funnel conversion on .com, awareness, um, Give me some 411, give me a kickoff to how you're thinking about 2021 media planning. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think what Aaron and Dara said was uh, was very relevant. I think for, for us, it all, it always starts with understanding our consumer better. Uh, you know, we're in, you know, we equip, you know, I was just talking to actually some of our athletes. We equip some of the best athletes to go on the far corners of the world. But really, we also, you know, uh, equip a lot of consumers who just want to enjoy the outdoors. And what we've seen during the pandemic is a real surge 
for people to actually spend time outside because that's the only thing we could do. And so for us, what we find really, you know, powerful is if we know, if we can identify the need of our consumer based on where they're at in their journey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm planning a hiking trip. I'm planning a camping trip. If we can actually, you know, show up in their feed when it matters most with the right information, uh, that has proven to be quite transformational for us. We've seen a massive hike of camping, of hiking, believe it or not, even snow sports. People have, you know, like have wanted to, you know, spend some time outside. And so the idea of better understanding our consumer base, where they are in their journey so that we can show up, you know, uh, you know, in the right way is a big, a big pivot that we're doing for us. So when you think about media, I mean, you said it, like the media approach has been well, like, for our industry, very big idea driven, you know, you know, upper funnel media. And we're really completely changing that. The way we like to think about it is it's it's everything is mobile first because in any consumer journey and we have gearhead we have people who really want to understand the product they're either going to buy and you know for the activities they have so we we want to make sure that uh, through a mobile first approach we can provide the right info at the right time in their journey uh that's that's the big approach and i have to say it's really interesting because it's forcing us to think very differently of thinking about the medium the channel uh, you know, as you know, as early as when you create concepts and create it. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I mean, you know, to me, that is like, that's like oxygen. To not think about distribution and the context of this. You know, there's television, print. You just knew the size of it, and then you put the idea in. The amount of products, features, platform slang differences between a TikTok and a LinkedIn, at which your brain could play amazing in both. You know, is really remarkable. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting too is it also triggers some really good conversation for us with our team around the need for speed and agility to really <laughs> and then and how do you get there? You know, what are the right partners that can think that way? And casting of your team, right? Exactly. And how do you set it up internally as well so that you can you can do it the right way? I think it's a I think there's gonna be a, a massive shift, you know, in, in the way brands, you know, work with partners and agencies to really Cater to that need because the, the, the partners that won't be able to adapt will force brands to create these in you know internal in house. You know, now, yeah. Steve, I got to ask you an extremely important question: How many times a day, when COVID's not real, you know, in real life, how many times a day do people say that you look like Clark Kent? Because what's going on in the comments right now is completely unbearable, and I need to know on average: Is it three point six? Is it five point nine? Is it thirteen? On average. How much Clark Kent do you get in a week, a day? Never, you know, never heard that, but I am becoming blind. I have to wear this to see you, Gary. Oh, so you've never gotten, but now you're just adding. No, 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 no. This is the beginning of the journey of the Clark Kent. Uh, I like that. That's funny. Thank you. <laughs> your brand is very revered. There's a secondary market for your products. You know, in, in this contemporaneous and need for speed, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like to me, that must be the big anxious moment that you're thinking through. Like, how do you get that there? Because the brand doing that perfectly is gonna really succeed because it has so much equity in it. Um, are, have you started dabbling into aggressive influencer, TikTok? Are you thinking about how to integrate since there's no ad product into something even as progressive as Clubhouse? How good do you feel about your cutting edge marketing right now? 
I would say we've got a long way to go. The, the, the great thing is we have a team that is, you know, solely dedicated to thinking about it in that way. Um, we like to also, um, we're, we're learning where our consumer base is consuming information. Because what we're finding out is climbers, snowboarders, trail runners, they consume information differently in different channels. So we're trying to, you know, uh, to, uh, to be a lot more savvy in the best way to present information in the right channels. I would say, Gary, we're just starting. The, the fun thing about the North Face is we're an outdoor technical brand. We made some of the best product, you know, for the most extreme conditions. Uh, you know, I, literally, I was talking to uh, Jimmy Chin, you know, right before talking about the next project that he has with some of our athletes, which is going to be mind blowing. Okay. But at the same time, you know, we just launched a partnership with Gucci. You know, like celebrating, celebrating, you know, like uh, our very first catalog in 70s. So, we, you know, the ability to understand who you're talking to, which audience you're connecting with is really like uh, uh, going to be critical for us, you know, to be relevant and authentic moving forward. And so is Gucci is, you know, that to me seems like a one plus one equals three. Do both parties come to the table in that scenario and feel that the crossover brings them equity into some spots that they may have less and just becomes a, a beautiful you know, uh, integration? That was the idea. You know, like when we talked to, you know, when we connected with the team, the thinking was celebrating, you know, our heritage in the 70s in the outdoors. And, you know, Alessandro, their creative director, is fond of, you know, that era, mm. uh, you know, of the 70s. So literally a lot of the creative that you see, even the music soundtrack, you know, comes from, you know, the, you know, the, the band that was rehearsing next to our very first store in the Is 70s. that right? Yeah, like all the That's products cool. that you see are actually really drafted from our very first catalog. So it's celebrating the outdoor, but also bringing a new point of view, a fresh point of view, uh, you know, to access to the outdoor. So, so that's 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 one element. But obviously, for us, we you know, right now we're about to launch a brand new innovation around you know trail running and light hiking and understanding how you serve ultra trail runners who run a hundred mile races. Uh, has, has has Reddit hit your radar? I mean, there's so much community there. Has that been, I mean, I know that's more progressive. Again, this is always where my brain goes, right? Like what an opportunity, you're talking like Reddit has incredible uh, opportunities of community and has a has an underpriced ad product in the scheme of things because people don't think it. It's obviously a tricky community and you have to be quite authentic. Has that been brought up? Yes, we, we have. We, we're actually looking at this. Right now, you know, you, you guys will see we're going to make some, uh, we have some partnership with Old Trail, and we're also going to be working with Strava to go after that ultra trail running community. Mm -hmm. We're really, we, we're a brand that, you know, speaks to micro communities who are really into the craft of what they do, the gear that they use for the endeavors that, that they pursue. And, uh, and the idea of being really connected to these communities is really important for us. And frankly, that's what we do. Even the specialty channel, it's been heard quite a bit, you know, with COVID, but it still plays a massive role for us. Because if you're a gearhead, you know, you will go to these, you know, channels because you know the, the the staff knows, you know, knows, you know what, you know what the product. Has, so you, I want to sneak this in with one minute to go, so I yeah. apologize. Has the e-commerce capabilities of the internal team and understanding exploded because of COVID? Like there was, you must be so advanced by comparison. Yeah, we, we've we've grown, we matured a lot in the last year. <laughs> Way. <laughs> but you know that's just the way to go anyway you know i love it listen i really appreciate your time i wish you a lot of success thank you thank you talk to you soon talk to you soon next we welcome angela zapata cmo for hyundai motor america 
Angela joined Hyundai with more than 25 years of experience on the agency side. She's responsible for all of Hyundai's marketing, including the strategic direction, brand, advertising, experiential marketing, digital and social media, brand partnerships, and lead generation. Welcome, Angela. Good morning. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Good. First of all, your purple turtleneck is fierce. You came in hot. Oh, I like it. Well, it's still early in the morning here-ish, you know, so anyway, might as well come in bright. It's a bright sunny day here in Southern California. Let's go right into it because I think the the car industry fascinates me. Um, When you think about media planning in 2021, what is a, in your mind, a winner or maybe even a loser of allocation of dollars, something that you are seeing more opportunity in or less opportunity? Like when you scan that landscape, where's the opportunities? Oh, there's so many opportunities, um, which I think is great. Um, you know, we're still a challenger brand, or that's still how we see ourselves. I mean, some people have a hard time even knowing how to say Hyundai. We just make it easy, Hyundai like Sunday. Um, but, you know, we need to be everywhere our audience is. So, you know, winners and losers, you know, some people pick on traditional media a little bit, and yet it still provides some of the biggest platforms and the biggest places where our audience is. Um, But we have a lot of investment in trying new platforms um, because we're trying to really get in front of younger customers into our brand. Um, We're a very different company today. We now have a full lineup of SUVs. We have incredible tech safety on the cars. That's not the Hyundai that came here 35 years ago. That generation knows a different Hyundai. That was a value driven car. This is now a much better vehicle that really is 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 that I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that hard to shed that value play for a lot of people, like for the people that are watching right now? Like when you come in in that way, even though it's 35 years ago, it let's call it what it is. They did a great job at that. That caught a lot of people's right. attention and did extremely well. Is explain to everybody how big or or maybe it's not of a challenge that is. It is a big challenge because uh, when you ask people what we're known for, they'll say great value. Um, but you know, we want to get past that and do what we call the, the driveway test, which if someone comes home with a new Toyota, no one questions why you got a new Toyota in your driveway. We want to be that same brand as Hyundai and we're that kind of brand. Now we have that same level of quality and technology and safety as our Japanese competitors. We just need to let people know that that Hyundai, that maybe, you know, we had a couple of missteps in the past, um, where we didn't always have quality at the forefront, but it's an incredible company with a ton of resilience. And so the vehicles we have today are very different. I think that's really great about bringing millennials, especially into our brand today, because they don't know that brand. They just see what Hyundai they see now today. And it's a fresh perspective. So we do see younger and actually wealthier customers coming into our brand for the very first time. So we're excited about that. We still want to you know, keep our older audiences with us, but um, we want to bring in a whole new you know, audience moving forward. How much, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, because you really rocked me on that Hyundai like Sunday. How how much or how little have has the brand, like, I almost feel like if I had the luxury of having your job, like, you know, especially with football, with religion, like, like I, I don't know, like I just watched a ton of people overreact to that, like who knew or what, you know. <laughs> I think you know that most people say Hyundai, right? Hyundai. Like, they try right? to, they try to Koreanize it. Yep. Yeah. Like, uh, has that been, like in a world now of fragmentation, it seems like there's a huge opportunity for you to really own that. I, I almost feel like one incredible year of bombardment in social, especially doing wild stuff on Sundays, 52 weeks in a year, we could be in 2022 and all of us 
know that Hyundai, Hyundai is okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was one reason why um, Jose Munoz, who's our CEO um, for North America and COO, he wanted me to come over from the agency to then lead a CMO at Hyundai because I have all this experience in brand building. Building our brand is our number one initiative. We had many years of being very focused on lower funnel demand gen generation, uh, demand generating tactics, which was great because we needed to just sort of intercept where customers were shopping. But now people are starting to recognize our, our products and they, you know, we're bringing them in as a fresh customer that needs to understand us more and understand more of what this product is just more than the, the price. And so building this brand is really important. You know, we are very heavy and like Sunday night football. We've never used the word Hyundai like Sunday externally. Um, but maybe if it has resonance with people, maybe there's a big idea that just, just got generated on this. Uh, on live. This so there you go, live. This is how it works, people. But, um, you know, we are going to do a lot more brand building. We're trying to bring more of a face to Hyundai. Sometimes we feel like it is a little facelift. A facelift. Uh, we have an amazing chairman, E.S. Chung. He's a pretty young guy. He just took over about two years ago. He's amazing. Um, he's got quite a vision for the company. And so we're, we're figuring that out right now. This will be our big breakout year. We have a lot of launches, but the brand needs to come forward. Um, and we do have some big ideas on how to do that. But I do like our Hyundai, Hyundai like Sunday. Maybe there is something there. So I, mean, we'll take that know, away. I think that in today's marketing world with the amount of opportunity with the internet structure, I think, I you know, to your point earlier about TV, you know, I, I think it's not only the challenge and the debate of what the consumption versus the cost are against the GRPs. But it's also when you're in a TV mindset, people feel like it's an or game. We're gonna position the brand this way or this way or this way or this way. In my brain, there is clearly Hyundai, like Sunday, like legs, but it doesn't need to be the entire brand positioning, but it could be a monster on surprise and delight on Sunday. Right. That's right. And to me, that's the shedding. It's kind of like loosen that up. I don't have to have the same brand voice everywhere I am. And it, and, and people and normal people watching right now, Angel, they don't know they don't understand the concept of brand voice. Like this is it goes into a corporate ecosystem conversation that people like. Nobody's gonna be ticked off if they see Hyundai like Sunday on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, but then on TV they say Hyundai getting you to where you need to go to. They're not like, oh my God, this is like, nobody's appalled by that. Yet, the Fortune 500 Madison Avenue ecosystem thinks they are, they, they don't do it. have to luggage when it comes to corporate brand strategy. It is true. And, that, and, we, and we do fight against that a little bit too. So. You're inspiring me to, to break out from all of that. And, and it is a constant struggle. There's a lot of people who weigh in to what we do. Um, you know, if you stick, stay to the creativity and really talking like a human to other humans, then I think you would realize that you don't talk the same way to everybody that you're talking to. Of course, that's not how we are as people. So why should your brand be like that too? So this is, hey, this is good for me. I have to have these moments to speak to people on the outside to, to get me to thinking fresh for the future. Oh, see, you're wearing purple too. You, you are, man, you're fast because I go fast. I was literally about to say I'm such an idiot. Look at this. We're like so matching now. All right. Let's talk about audio because yeah. I, I think um, people are in their cars. So there's like, I, I love audio advertising for automotive on podcast, which is eating up an incredible amount of consumption of audio in car. Yep. Because I always think like, oh, you're pissed at your car right now. It doesn't smell as good as it used to. If something just happened, like you just looked out the window and we're envious. It feels incredibly exciting to me. Audio is huge. 
Yeah, we we uh, we've we dip in. Well, actually, we love radio. We use it a lot um, for drive time. Uh, we use we call it terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're we're moving into areas like Spotify, which we did um, a, a sponsorship or partnership with them the last this last year to launch our Elantra. Um, where we did a podcast. There was video too. Mm. But we partnered with Interscope Artist and it was called Un- um, Unlock My City. And basically they were driving around their city talking about the things that they love. So it was a podcast, but then we did do a couple that were video just to help show more of the sheet metal because yep. that's what cars are all about. But it's still great content to draw audiences in. And we know that audio is so big with you know very loyal audiences that love to plug in and listen. Um, and with the pandemic, this was a huge, it took a huge spike. So that Spotify was the first time we stepped in with them. We loved it. It was hugely successful. We'll do more of that. We, we love the idea of podcasts and just radio and audio in general. Anything you're kind of taking a scrutiny with, you know, like just like maybe rethinking you know, you've been in the game for a while, you know, it's not about razzing print or Facebook or Snapchat or direct mail. It just, I think I want to educate on these shows. Is there anything that you are saying to yourself, you know? I'll tell you a big one that was a big decision for us was we are not going to be in Super Bowl this year. And we were in for 13 years. So, um, we did Super Bowl for 13 years and never debated the Hyundai Sunday thing when the biggest thing in the world is on a Sunday. I know. Well, I'm, I'm pissed now. I'll see you later. I'm upset. You know, sometimes it takes <laughs> a, a genius I'm here, I'm conversation. Here. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, that was a huge decision. In it. it was a huge decision. It was because it's a lot of money. We still love it. We, we're still very tied to football. But, you know, for one day, which we had an incredible spot last year, our Smart Pack, mm-hmm. um, we got a lot of play on that. We still love it. But, you know, we need to extend, I think, a big Super Bowl day for many more days. Um, so it kind of spikes on that one day and then it kind of trails off. We need to kind of expand that a little bit. And so we're excited about what's going to come this year. But that was a major decision for us because we've been so tied to it. A lot of people were surprised. Um, you know, it felt a little good to loosen it up a little bit. We feel like so much pressure to have like an award winning sure, sure. spot every year. But that still needs to come through I mean, creatively with the creative. It can't be any less than a big Super Bowl idea. Well, listen, we've got to run, but I got more stuff. We'll, we'll purple it up another time. We'll purple it up. It was great to see you. Good to see you. Continue Take success. Care. Next up, John Rulin is the leading authority in maximizing customer loyalty through radical generosity. He is the founder and author of Giftology, a system of using generosity to build relationships with new clients and generate thousands of referrals through empathy and kindness. He works hand in hand with organizations from UBS to the Chicago Cubs. Welcome, John. Hey, Gary, how are you? Good, John. My best friend, Brandon Warnick, he's gonna be thrilled when he rewatches this because he is a big Cubs fan. So thanks for helping out there, John. Uh, actually, I think, you know, unlike most of the brands that have been on here, give us the one minute spiel on exactly what you do, because I think that will help people. And then what I'd like to think about is the framework of gifting and what the media platforms are that give it some power to be able to do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Ohio. I'm a farm boy, uh, goat milk and farm kid from Ohio. And uh, I thought I was going to go be a doctor to get out of Dodge. I grew up in a town of 400 people, but uh, I had a mentor. Uh, early on when I was 20, he was radically generous and built these amazing relationships and was kind of a referral machine. And I realized that uh, he, you know, in any business, it's all about relationships, whether you're a one person 
or a you know 10,000 person company, everything rises and falls on employee and client relationships. And so I realized nobody was teaching people how to be generous and to do it strategically. Most people would, you know, here's an Amazon gift card, here's a bottle of wine, here's a whatever. And so I dropped out of med school and started an agency. And uh, about five years ago, I wrote a book called Giftology. We're the only one in the space. Everybody else sends stuff, uh, but we're teaching people how to use gratitude and generosity and empathy really as a year-round thoughtful thing to do, not just to check the box at the Christmas time. Uh, like a lot Go of figure. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the channels, you know, yeah. like what should brands or startups or, um, you know, entrepreneurs here be thinking about what should they know about which media outlets give them a better chance to execute the thesis? Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, our, we're, we're getting a lot of inbound of people reaching out, wanting to engage. You're talking about influencer marketing and different things. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, they do things very generic and very vanilla, whether they're launching a book and sending out, you know, 500 copies in vanilla envelopes or whether they're, you know, uh, trying to get on podcasts or whatever else. And so I think that the focus for us has been going into and I, I heard somebody else mention this earlier on. It's human to human. It's one to one. And I think that a lot of people have done too much stuff that's to the masses and I think that, you know, 2020 with the pandemic, I think people have realized that, hey, these are human beings that you're dealing with. And I think that a lot of people haven't realized until now, until everybody's at home and kids are running in and dogs and whatever else that like, oh my gosh, they're a human being outside of whatever channel they're in. And so I, I'm seeing a lot more people reaching out wanting to, uh, you know, like the, the traditional ways of building relationships, whether that's with mass media or whether that's at conferences or dinners, like the traditional ways have been blown up. And so people are, are struggling. How do I build connections from afar? I think a lot of people took for granted, like I'm, I'm going to be able to go to CES or the Super Bowl or whatever else. All of those the building relationship or engaging people is completely gone. And so uh, we're seeing a lot more people that are doubling down on how can I take you know my top 2% or my top 1%. And similar to what you did with, I think you're talking about Taylor Swift. She can't show up at every wedding, but she can show up at one wedding. And you did it with the jersey. Uh, you know, a guy spends $300 on wine or champagne yep. or whatever, and you show up with a jersey. That becomes a ripple effect that's that, you know, people are, it's, it's a story worth talking about, whether it's on Snapchat or Instagram. And you're seeing brands that are getting wise to leverage and say, hey, I can't, may not be able to do it for everybody, but let's pick 10 people and go all in on those people. I mean, and you know this. I mean, after Crush It, which looks smarter and smarter these days, the next book I wanted to write was The Thank You Economy. I wrote that in 2010, you know? I mean, I believe in this, it's in my religion. I don't even understand how people, I can't believe that pe people are, oh, 2021, like we should do, how this is progressive thinking in 2021 makes me wanna rip my eyeballs out and jump out this window. Me too. I mean, I've been talking about for 20 years in a different vein than you have on social media. It's more like, you know, if, if a relationship matters, how you show up for them in the Valley, especially in a pandemic, is the time to double down on generosity. It's the time to show up and be extra bold with people. How, John, do you, do you agree that, I apologize, do you agree a lot of people fuck this up because they want the tactic for their business and so because their intent is grounded in that, it kind of smear, like, I think the reason this is such a challenging concept is that you have to have this incredible 
kind of like separation of the short term and the long term. I think what works for me, John, is I do all this kind of stuff all day long because I think in 67 year terms and when people try to replicate it and I watch them or when clients fuck up the stuff that I want them to do, it's because they care about the 67 minutes or days, not the 67 years. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, the long game is decades, not days. And if you do do something nice for somebody and then ask for the referral or ask for the, the opening door or do whatever, that's not a gift. That's a manipulation. That's a bait and switch. Correct. And so people, people can tell. I tell people all the time, like, if you have the wrong energy when you're doing something for somebody, then even reading between the lines, you can tell when somebody does something or they do almost go too far. And then when it, it, like you can tell that you're being bribed, that, like there's a difference between being thoughtful and Gary, bribed. Gary, I'm gonna do you a huge favor. I'm gonna pick you up at the airport and take you to your hotel, but it, that's grounded in, hey, I need to pitch you my business, bro. So like, you know, they're, they're like, I'm gonna help you buy the jets if you give me a million dollars to start this company. You know, and then the biggest one, John, I don't know if this has ever crossed, how this crosses over in your world, this gets into a very deep feeling I have around people who say, I always get walked all over. And I talk to a lot of these people and I say, are you getting walked all over? Or were you giving as a manipulation tack? Because giving is giving on the other person's terms, not on yours. And I see a lot of people crying, Gary, I don't like being nice. I'm always walked all over. And I, I'm a weird guy. I go deep with them. you know, And I yeah. do this 20, 50 times a year. And 99% of the time, they weren't being sweet. They were trying to manipulate a situation by giving somebody something they didn't want because they wanted something in return. Thoughts? Yeah, well, it's like the book Give and Take. Uh, there's giving, taking, matching. Most people are matchers that want to, they want to be a giver but they're playing in the matching world of like tit for tat. I do this for you, then now you have to do this for me. And I think you've talked about it, like your jab, 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 right hook was, you give, 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 then you earn the right to maybe ask, but it doesn't, right. it does not give you the, like, like if you keep score and get pissed off, and I tell Bill all the time, like I'll do things that like, we sent somebody a sauna as a gift. I didn't ask for anything and it didn't pay off for literally years later but it wasn't because I asked for anything. He was inspired. And I think there's a difference between, and I think that's where most people in get with gifting, they're not really doing gifts. What they're doing is they're, it's a carrot and stick. It's a incentive, it's a reward. Correct. And when, whether it's for your spouse or whether it's for your biggest client or whether it's for an influencer, when you do things with the right intention and no strings attached and then show up again and then show up again and then show up again, you start building the social bank accounts like with your spouse. If you show up with a gift and then ask for something five minutes later, it wasn't a gift. You were trying to get something. It, it was, was a cool. ticket. It was a cost was of a entry. John, yeah. it's exactly right. John, I swear to God you're talking. You know what fires me up? I do a ton of this shit. I'm more excited when it doesn't pay out. It makes for I'm, a better story. It but, makes for a way. But you know this because, you know, I don't even tell. I just love it because it speaks to the merit of the truth of the intent. Well, if it worked every single time, then it wouldn't really be like we're emotional beings and what people don't understand. And that's why agencies or big companies sometimes have a hard time with like playing the long game of you're going to love on all these relationships and then not ask for anything. And they're like, well, what's the date on that? And I'm like, well, it could pay off this way or it could pay off 10 years from now. Are you, are you, you say you're playing the long game, but are you really willing to make deposits year, year after year, quarter after quarter in your employees, clients, suppliers? And the answer is most of them, they, they, they want to say that they're playing the game in decades, but really they're, they're playing it in quarters because they're a publicly traded company. And they're like, I got, if I do, if I go take my marketing budget and I slice off $5 million and go invest in all these people and it doesn't work, 
then my head rolls and I'm, I'm out of a job. And so most people are positioning themselves to play the safe thing and leveraging generosity with all these relationships is a weird concept and it's a freaky one, but it, but if everybody was really good at thoughtful it's, gift giving, it would work, it would just be it's, noise. It's the least weird, the least, you know, this is the most human, be a fucking good person, funny shit happens. Go figure. I, I don't know. All right, brother, thanks for being on, continued success. Hey, thanks for having me. Up next, we have Marissa Freeman, the Chief Brand Officer of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Marissa helped lead the historical split of HP into two separate entities. Today, Marissa leads HPE's experience marketing team, driving brand strategy, global events, sponsorships, advertising, media, and digital marketing. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, Gary. Hey, Marissa. How are you? Good. Being good. a good person, man. That's the Go thing. figure, right? Go figure. Go figure. It's what my mother always said. Brilliant. Um, Let's talk about media plan. You know, actually, why don't you quantify? Because HP comes in a lot of forms, so yeah. I want everybody to have good context. Talk to me about HPE, so people understand, it, and then I'll go into the combo. Thank you. So HP Hewlett Packard is what everyone thought it was forever, and then five years ago, we split into two companies. One was the printers and PCs, and that went one way, and that's the blue logo. And then the other one became the data, cloud, five G, AI edge computing company. And that's where I went. I, I find it to be incredibly exciting. You know, um, it's not really about edge cloud. It's about data, companies using data to make people's lives better, doing cool things and making experiences better for the rest of us. So, And so you're targeting more B2B? We target P2P. <laughs> so yeah, you know, there's about 17 and define, people. And define, define that P2P. People to people, human to human. Um, there's like 17 people in the buying decision process, but they're all human beings and, and they have passions and likes and wants and dreams just like the rest of us. And so I think about media strategy um, in telling human stories and, and connecting with someone with the things that they care about. But for the audience's uh, uh, value, who are the decision makers normally in an organization that buy your services? What, what are their titles and what are some, what are the services? Sure, so it starts, it, we actually have to approach the C-suite because these are huge tickets, right? Millions of dollars in investments. Some, not all, not all of them, but most, you know, we work with every major global company on the planet and they spend a lot of money on IT. Yep. And so it's the CEO, this very yep. primarily the CIO yep. and the CTO and the chief digital officer, and increasingly the chief marketing officer, because data is the new oil, right? It's the currency that we all deal in. And so uh, the C-suite, really important to us. And then we have a layer underneath that of IT decision makers. These are the, the guys and gals who are data scientists, and they, they're, they're doing the coding, and they're specifying, you know, what cloud companies you work with, and what what workloads go where. And so they're the ones who actually have a very big influence on the decision. So we got the whole spectrum there. When companies, and this is gonna help a lot of small and large B2B companies, B2B companies, and I, I'm sorry, P2P companies, but <laughs> you know, when, when you're selling to a company that's spending over a million dollars and sometimes 10 million, like big ticket items to your point, how do you 
and and the and the, by nature, those companies tend to skew more as sales driven companies than brand driven and marketing driven companies because there's a lot of you know need for salespeople. There's a lot of conflict in that game because brand is hard to fully put your hands on an ROI. Sally closing an eight million dollar deal can speak to that, but how much did the brand have? It's a really fun puzzle. Yeah. How, and relationships are critical, right? The period, right? <laughs> period. In today's world, influencing to create consideration, build awareness of this C-suite, is it the LinkedIn's in a world where conferences used to be such a big play for companies like this and they're not going on with COVID, print, print advertising in the B2B magazines that have the attention of the C-suite, Give us the lay of the land of how you're thinking from a marketing now on a P2P standpoint. Well, about 70% of all of the research and learning about any big ticket item like this is done online. It's done with friends and it's done through word of mouth and it's done through search. So we spent a ton of time softening the market and building confidence and trust before our sales folks even get a phone call or, or make the phone call. Um, Yes, events went dark this year. We had last year nine weeks to turn our biggest event, 12,000 people showing up in Las Vegas with CIOs and their staff into a virtual event, nine weeks. And uh, it, was, it was insane, but we did it and it was really good. And we will never go back to 100% in-person without a digital component attached to it. We, we love our in-person event. It's amazing for us. Um, but the power of data and digital when applied to that relationship and then carried through the year, is just priceless. Any platforms that really have your attention going into 2021? Uh, in terms of the events or, or media platforms? Media platforms. Media platforms. Media platforms. Yeah. Yes. Um, I wanted to have this conversation about passion points. You know, we... Okay. So... For example, we we work with Mercedes Formula One, okay. we work with Disney Studios, Disney Parks, um, Tottenham Football Club, the Warriors and Chase Stadium. So when when we tell the technology stories underneath all of that, like how does Lewis Hamilton shave milliseconds off of off of a turn? That's a data story, right? Yes. Um, so for me, platforms media plans kind of have to write themselves based on the creative story and the soul of the story. So, so this is interesting. You're saying that when you think about media plans and creative intertwined, which I love, you're actually looking at the current landscape of your clients and using the interest graph of your clients yes. back to passion points. So you're saying, wow, we have the Warriors, one of the more progressive organizations. So we're gonna, we're gonna use the reality that they use us because a CIO who's in LinkedIn or print or an event who happens to be a basketball fan is gonna stop in her tracks more around that and then see the underlying story than us talking about milliseconds. Yes. Using exactly. your own customer's IP, that's really great. It's, it's wonderful and it, and it pays back in dividends because the, the people, people reading LinkedIn, scrolling through LinkedIn, they also have Netflix over here or the basketball game on in the, in the background. And that's who we are competing with, Gary. Like everyone's home. So I'm sorry, real quick, there's something brewing. Uh, everybody on Facebook, it seems like some scammer is trying to say you want a $20,000 picture or something like that. For the record, because there's cryptocurrency. 
you will never hear from me or my team. There's millions of fake accounts of me. I'm never giving away free money or free cryptocurrency. Like you should know that by now. I know it might be enticing for a second, but please don't ever fall for that. Keep going, Marissa. I had to do a public <laughs> service announcement reading the comments. No, it's a good thing. Security yeah. is a major risk and a very big passion point, by the way. Fair enough. It's one that we, we it's a scroll stopper, especially for CIOs like you or CEOs for like sure. you. <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm sorry, please keep going. Yeah, so we, we so the Formula One, for example, or, or basketball, you know, we, we'll build our whole plan around the intersection of people who make te technology decisions and love basketball. And you know, we can buy media like that and we can buy search like that. And that gives us seven times the engagement rates, Gary, seven times. And that's on, you know, a, an average day, seven times. Let's, uh, let me do something different for the last two minutes to mix up the show. You, Marissa, the human, you. What, what ads or what platforms are converting you? Have you bought something for your home or clothes or food on an Instagram feed ad? Have you? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, talk, talk to me about you, the, what's capturing, what's catching your attention? Well, I love newsletters. I'm big on Morning Brew and things like that. I, I met the guy from Morning Brew, his name was Joe, a couple of years ago and I started following it and I bought it from my company. We have been, we were one of the first advertisers in Morning Brew. I love Axios. We buy Axios. I'm a podcast fanatic. I'm, I personally just absolutely love, I love yours. I love many podcasts. I walk my dog and I listen to a podcast. We have supercomputing. Um, we, the, we, have, we bought Cray, the biggest, best, most amazing supercomputing company in the world, and governments buy that stuff. So we went on niche podcasts, Hacks on Tap, Mike Murphy, you know, like Axel, well, David Axelrod. I like that. I like it. It's, it's your are, you, are, you, are, you, are you getting live reads or you or is it? Uh, <laughs> um, I try to do the Howard Stern thing where yeah. I'll, I'll get, I know Mike. So I'll say, Mike, here's the script because I know Just you want do, to have do a your, do your thing. Read it. You know, say whatever you want. And, and he knows about this stuff. He's so smart. And then occasionally he'll go off script, which is what you really want. Right. Of course. Yes. So, by the way, that's a perfect way to end this. Occasionally going off script is exactly <laughs> what you want. We need more yeah. of that in marketing. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Good to see you. Next up, we have Frank Cooper III, the CMO of BlackRock. The third. Frank leads BlackRock's marketing across every region of the world, combining the science of data and tech with the art of creativity, culture, and purpose. Frank began his career as an entertainment lawyer, later serving as a top exec at two of the world's most iconic music labels, Motown and Def Jam. He later went on to C-suite roles at BuzzFeed and PepsiCo. Welcome, Frank. Oh, Frank, you're on mute, brother. Oh, I'm still learning, man, still learning. <laughs> great to be here, thank you. Is, great, uh, to see you. great to see you. For everybody who, PepsiCo was a very early client and Frank was a superstar and, this is a huge joy for me and we've built a friendship through the years. Frank, thank you for being here. Uh, great to be here, Gary. Great to see you. Frank, uh, as you go into 2021, you know, you've, you've, you've done exactly, I watched from afar, you've done what I, what I thought you would. You, you're, there's a contemporary energy brewing at BlackRock that I really felt between your music and entertainment and the rock star status at Pepsi and then you go to BuzzFeed. Like you've had the kind of career that if I wasn't an entrepreneur, I feel like I would have your type of, like it makes sense to me, right? It's, it's, it's like in between corporate and entrepreneurship. Um, you know, as with that energy in mind, how are you thinking about your media plan in 2021? Where are you looking to get creative? What are some of the things that are emerging for such an iconic brand? Yeah, yeah, Gary. Thanks. Look, and I've learned a lot um, through you over the years. 
and and honestly, uh, uh, more one on one uh, and just having conversations. So I appreciate that. But look, I mean, the way the way I think about it, just taking one huge step back, is I first think about the context of the times in which we live, and uh, you know, a great media plan in times of stability will fail miserably in times of, of, of if, it's, if it's if it's rigid. If it's rigid, if it's rigid. You, and it, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Everybody, that was a huge insight because again, what Frank just did subconsciously matters. The big companies are incredibly rigid compared to the mid, small, and entrepreneurs. They lock in. Frank comes from a PepsiCo world where they locked in their TV and that was 80% of the monies. And like when something happens, you can't get out of your Fox money or your super, right, Frank? Tell that's, us. Exa that's exactly right. And, 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 and look, if you think about the times we're in right now, the, the massive shifts, they're, they're, the shifts are happening across social, they're happening across uh, cultural landscapes, they're happening in the technological sphere, uh, they're happening in the political sphere. It's changing everything fundamentally. And, and what, we, what I think we're facing is uncertainty. And large companies do not like uncertainty. Large companies are used to managing risk and they're used to incremental change. But I just embrace the times that we live in. The times that we live in is a time of fundamental change and accelerating change. And the antidote to that is creativity. The antidote to that is you have to take some leaps. You have to take some, some, some risk uh, in, in moving forward. So I come in, when I think first about a media plan, I come in with that particular mindset. You know, that we are going to take leaps. Uh, we're going to leave some flexibility within the media plan so that we can adapt as, as things will inevitably change. So for me, that's kind of the first step I take. Mm. You know, um, the, the second thing, uh, Gary, and, 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 and Frank, were you able to create more flexibility upfront budget this year than you did last year? Like, did you go into this year with less locked in? 100%. 100%. Good for you. Uh, uh, and, and look, it, 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 you know this. I'm sorry to interrupt again. I'm just excited. You know, people talk about things, but don't get around to it because of the corporate culture and just easier to do the same old thing. So to hear yeah. that you, by math, have less locked in to give you the mobility. Now, may, I actually think that's very practical and it makes sense, but it almost, you know, how people talk about it'll never go back to the same world post COVID. Yeah. I yeah. feel the flexibility you feel this year, even though the world's back to normal and should be stabilized. The, the nectar of that flexibility is going to be intoxicating and will become more of the reality. A hundred percent. Look, and I don't think there is a, um, a, a, a thing of going back to normal. I, I actually think what we yeah. experienced in this past year just kind of accelerated and amplified what was already happening right beneath the surface. And, and, and beneath the surface is that it is a time of, of rapid change. And, but look, look I, I was able to do it, but not all in one fell swoop. I was able to set aside this money. Um, by talking first to you know those in the C-suite, other senior executives about what's real and what's not, uh, um, avoiding the myth of impressions, you know, um, you know, not getting mesmerized by uh, um, kind of the the, the sizzle of, yes. of a great video, yes. and talking to them about what really matters. So, so that that made a big difference. But for us, you know, we're we're in this world where um, you know PepsiCo. I say my budget was. <laughs> at least seven times the amount <laughs> that I have here. Do you think that forces you to be scrappier? Do you think when, you know, it's kind of, when I think about the world, it's hard to be hungry when you're fed. Do you think that restriction has caused, and that friction, because you're accustomed to a different budget world, do you think that created a more innovative uh, gear inside of you and your team? There's no, there's no doubt it made, it made me and the team more innovative. Uh, you know, it reminded me of the uh, early days of hip hop, actually. You know, when, when you, you know, you just have to have the hustler spirit. You, you, figure, you figure out how do I make things work given what I have? And, 
And one of the one of the most I think foundational shifts we made was that we we realized that the messenger is a message, and so we tapped in. Have we tried to, and we're continuing to try to tap into, you know, influencers, but not necessarily the big cultural influencers. Those people who have power to shift the thinking and behavior of the people that we care about the most. Your and tar- your tar- your target, which will be a t- totally different influencer than if you're Peloton. A hundred percent. And, and what I love about it is that now, you know, you know, we used to do it purely by relationships and, and kind of a kind of a cultural feel, you know, of who's in the marketplace. And, and, and we still apply some of that, but now it's heavily data driven. I and mean, we could actually see um, uh, and, and visualize who is having the greatest impact on the topics that we care about the most. And so so when I think about media, I think first and foremost about the times we're in, but then I shift to. So what can we deliver? to the people that we want to share with others, because that's where the message really resonates, particularly in this time where people don't really trust large institutions. They don't trust corporate voices. They, they trust people who are in their immediate network. And um, and so we try to feed that immediate network with information, graphics, uh, um, you know, background material, uh, quotes, things that they can share. And, and, and for me, there's a lot of power in that. I agree. Greg, what, what about um, you as a consumer? I, I enjoyed that last question. What, what's grabbing your attention from a marketing standpoint? Like, give me an anecdotal story. Like I needed to buy a stereo set, this OTT ad happened, or I just bought this new running shoes on Instagram and that surprised me. I'd never done that before. You, you got anything that's happened over the last couple of months? Well, you know, look, for, for me for me personally, uh, um, like if I'm at home and, and uh, the, the thing that has shocked me is the extent to which I'm buying off of Instagram. Um, you know, I'm, I'm buying things I probably don't even need, you know, I'm flipping down, down and I see like, you know, so, you know, work at home pants and then, you know, I click it on and, and, and it, you know, it's like, do I really need it? But it just feels good. And so, uh, I'm purchasing a lot off of Instagram, but the, the platform I'm absolutely obsessed with, I'm totally obsessed with LinkedIn and, uh, I'm obsessed with it, um, more from a professional uh, perspective, but just overall it is relationship driven. It is focused. Um, it's, it's, it's not based on the, the math of large numbers necessarily. Um, it's based on, on the groups that you can get together around uh, one person, one person. And, and, and I, I love it. I love the fact that, um, you know, LinkedIn live is, is up and running. Um, I'm totally obsessed with that, uh, as a platform, not have only for you, have leadership. You, have you jumped into clubhouse yet? Yeah, I have, I have, you know, I'm still trying to figure clubhouse out though. You know, are you listening? Are you mainly listening at this point or have you contributed? Uh, I'm totally listening. Yeah. You need to, Frank, you have so much to say. Con- I'm, I'm pushing you as a friend. Go contribute to one room. You need to taste all sides of it to really figure it out, right? Figuring it out is like figuring out oysters by looking at it or talking about it. The real way to figure out oysters is by slurping it. You need, <laughs> you need to jump in and taste it. All right, I- I'm gonna I'll do it. I'll tell you why, because I yeah. think for your sector, hosting some of those rooms for BlackRock will end up becoming something real in the next 18 months. I'm going to circle back to you, Gary. I'm jumping in this weekend and, and I'll tell you how, how it goes. Honestly, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to hold you to that. Frank, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see Love you. Back. All right. Andrew, I want to take the floor for two minutes if you don't mind. Please. But stay, hang with me. Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. I wanted to take two minutes uh, and just say thank you. Uh, the purpose of this entire programming and make sure you sign up, go to VaynerMedia.com. There's, you know, uh, there is on VaynerMedia, on VaynerX.com, right, Andrea? On VaynerX.com. <laughs> Yeah, we also are on 
We also are now at marketingforthenow.vaynerx.com. Okay, that's a mouthful. On vaynerx.com though, there's a click for marketing from now that will send them there, right? Vaynerx.com, yeah. So go to vaynerx.com and make sure you're signed up for uh, the announcements of the future shows. But I just want to let everybody know the intent of this. You know, two hours in the middle of the day for me is not the easiest thing in the world, especially at the volume that Andrea and I are doing this show. I know that my community is extremely vast and goes in many different places. I have a very big part of my life in corporate and Fortune 500 land, but I'm trying to move the conversations and navigate where there's some insights. I hope the passive nature of audio, you could even have this in the background in a tab while you're working on something else. I'm obsessed with value driving. These are the kind of conferences that used to cost a lot of money for tickets based on the pedigree of the speakers that we're bringing to the table. And I hope that, you know, Andrew's got an extensive team. We're putting a lot of economics behind trying to build and bring some of the best marketing information in the world. Obviously, I'm spending a lot of time personally putting out more SMB and entrepreneurial conversation. There's just one other tool in our tool belt and I hope you enjoy it. I hope it brings you value and I hope it inspires some kids to get into this industry or or more importantly, somebody gleams one little idea that a big company's doing and figures out how to translate it into theirs. And then obviously all the texts and emails I'm getting right now from the corporate world that says, hey, don't listen to the entrepreneurs. This is what we need. We don't have much of this. Thank you for the, the, the kind words. And I hope everybody has a great, great, healthy, happy, wonderful, thoughtful 2021. Andrea? Thanks for that, Gary. And yeah, we'd love to hear from all of you. Send us a note at marketingforthenow at vaynerx.com. We've got another show coming up February 25th from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to focus on influencer marketing. So please join us. Hashtag marketing for the now. Keep the conversation going and check us out. Check out all our past episodes on vaynerx.com. Thanks for Thanks joining me. Hi, everyone. Hit me up on Twitter with feedback. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is The Push I Needed by Heather Philco Forged. Gary has given me the push I needed to start putting myself out there on social media. If you aren't on social media, you aren't relevant. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.